Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. It is 1234 in Edmonton. Brendan Escott sitting in today for Bob Stoffer while he and the team make their way to Seattle shortly. Anyway, they're practicing as we speak. At least they were a few minutes ago. Let's go to NHL today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing, your local branded merchandise specialist. Head to ElitePromoMarketing.com. 11 games uh, across the league tonight. Montreal is visiting Florida. Ottawa's on the road in Washington. And an all-Canadian matchup. The Canucks are in Winnipeg. Toronto is on the road in Arizona. Oilers and Kraken facing off at 8 o'clock tomorrow night on 6.30. Chad, face-off show goes at 6. Caught a high landed on the injured reserve with an upper body injury. Practice yesterday, they said he was okay. Today, not the same. So obviously he's out, uh, I think it's a minimum of four games now. Huge 11-2 win for Canada over Germany at the World Juniors yesterday. The phenom Connor Bedard tying the single game points record of seven, also held by Dave Anderchuk, uh, Brendan Morrow, Mike Camilleri, and Gabriel Bork. Bedard and Dylan Gunther both with hat tricks to Today, Canada facing Austria at uh, 4.30. Condors, as Bob mentioned, pumped 9-2 by Calgary last night on home ice. Tomorrow, presenting a shot at redemption against the Wranglers. And the Oil Kings starting a four-game homestand tomorrow night at Rogers Place with Red Deer in town. And Sunday afternoon, it's Lethbridge at Rogers Place. That's the New Year's Day game. We've got Oilers Director of Business, or rather Oil Kings Director of uh, Business Operations. Kevin Radomski. Much more on that game today after the one o'clock news. But without further ado, let's get to the Oilers with color analyst from Sportsnet. Louis Dabrowski joins us every Thursday for GCL Diesel, providing genuine diesel parts and turbochargers at great prices since 1972. GCLDiesel.com. Louis, you're on with Brendan. How's it going today? Man, I'm doing well. How are you today? Excellent. Merry Thank Christmas. You. Yeah, to you and yours as well. I saw uh, Jake had an excellent goal, sort of a self-pass off the uh, off the boards there on a nice rush. So looks like the DeBrusque family is thriving here this holiday yeah. season. Hey, take the lucky bounces. You know, when he got stuck in Boston, obviously he was one of many that uh, couldn't come home for Christmas because of the delays of flights canceled, but he made the best of it. And you know what? That's just what happens sometimes with where we live in this uh in this world, uh, that sometimes there's some nasty weather that doesn't allow you to travel too well. Which you would think is is more impactful, of course, to the college level and the junior level and that sort of thing. We saw some stories out of there, and Elaine Walsh with the the tweet yesterday about um, uh, his Slovakian player not being able to get to Canada to play the World Juniors, and and here we are talking about the NHL level, and the problems are are not exempt there either. <laughs> No, they really aren't, and I, I think, you know, it's it's such a tight turnaround. I've been saying for years, and I'll say it again, that I think they should add a bookend day on each end of that for the players at Christmas time. One more back-to-back, I think, before that, and every player would agree to it if you had two days before Christmas and two days after Christmas, just for a little bit more of a buffer. I think it's a real tight, quick turnaround for for the guys, and it's kind of a, it's a hard time in the sense that families coming in, wants to spend time with you, and you're still – not able to kind of check out from work. Now, it's part of the business. It's been that way forever. They've never really felt that that's an important part of it for the NHL, which I've never understood. And uh, I'll keep saying that forever. I think that it would be 
a better product on the ice, let's just say, when they came back after five days off instead of three. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I know that was a concern of mine for that first game being as meaningful as it was in the standings for Edmonton against Calgary and, and what kind of team was going to emerge from, from that break. Was it going to be a strong effort or, or a sleepy effort? And ultimately, I mean, thanks to a great performance by Stuart Skinner, uh, but all around, Edmonton, they stuck around as they needed to and they were able to get two pretty important points, Louis, as, as we see now that, uh, I mean, Calgary's already leapfrogged them after a win last night. So things are very tight in the Pacific. And I agree, you know, that's the thing. You're, you're traveling in on game day, You're unless you're the Leafs, but you, you, typically you're traveling in on game day after that break. You're getting to the city. You don't have a full skate. You have a morning skate. It's just, I just don't think it's ideal, to be honest with you. But, I mean, these, these are young players that are, you know, capable of turning it around in a hurry and getting the rest off fairly quickly. I thought they battled through that game. I agree with you, Brennan. I don't think it was um, a Picasso, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think Stuart Skinner made the saves that he absolutely had to make and some that maybe he probably shouldn't have made. A um, couple bars were hit late. I know uh, there was there was one right in the dying seconds, but you have to get those breaks and you have to win those type of games too. We've talked at length so many times that Edmonton has to learn how to win these 2-1, 1-0, 3-2 games and really grind it out. And I thought that was one of their strengths last year, was they were really good in those situations. They were really good at not panicking, weathering the storm, trying to keep the shots to the outside. When you've got the lead, your tendency is to sit back and defend, so you're going to give up more shots than you normally would. So when I see the skewed shots, it swayed a bit in that in that favor, but... Listen, take the win any way you can get them, and I think that this is maybe a good stepping stone for a team to continue to build forward. It's trying to find that consistency in their game, and that's something they've been striving for all season long. You know, certainly, um, you know, for the whole team, but for Darnell Nurse in recent games, I think for him to come out and have that kind of performance against Calgary where he was a pretty strong presence there on the back end for Edmonton, I think that was important for him given who the opponent was and, and just given the, the sort of the recent narrative if you will. I don't know how much of that gets shut out or let into the room, but I think we all know that Nurse needed to elevate his play, and I thought he responded well. Yeah, you know, and I don't I don't necessarily look at Darnell Nurse. He didn't have any points in the game, and that's not how I judge his game at all. And, you know, I look back, you know, some of the great two-way defensemen, especially the shutdown defensemen, that I think sometimes don't get the respect they necessarily deserve, because if they have a quiet night, that means they've had a great night. If we're not talking about mistakes they've made in the game, they're going up against the best players of the opposition, and that means they're having a real solid performance against the best in the National Hockey League. So um, just that in itself and understanding how difficult it is, and just just to flip that, you say, okay, how well did the defense of the opposition do against Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl tonight? Because that's how they're judged, right? Mm -hmm. They're judged on that each and every night. So Nurse kind of has that role where he's playing the heavy minutes. He's playing the minutes up against the best. And he's going to be out there in critical situations. So, again, it's not for me whether or not he's jumping up and scoring goals or making beautiful passes. To me, it's how he's defending. To me, it's how he's battling. And, you know, that's when he plays his best anyway for me, is when he just keeps it simple. He uses his strength. He uses his skating ability to get out of danger. He makes that first pass. He's hard on the walls. He's closing things off in the corners. And and most importantly, he's battling in front. Uh, I, I really do feel that for Darnell, the only time he gets himself in trouble, trouble, and this is my opinion, but is when he tries to do other people's jobs. When he when he goes out there and says, you know what, okay, I've taken care of my guy, 
Now it looks like there's a weakness over here. I'm going to fly over here and try and protect this part of the ice. And what happens in that situation sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, is his man gets left open and that guy's the guy that ends up scoring or gets a great chance on net. So I think what I've seen him start to do in the last few games is when he starts to sit back a little bit and not be as running around. And when I say running around, I don't mean it's panic. I mean it's where he's – it just seems like he's trying to do too much. And it's a cliche, I know it, but when you try and do more than what you can do, I guarantee you there's going to be problems somewhere else. But it seems like he's playing more composed, um, more isolated in his role. And then once that's taken care of, once you're in scramble mode at times, hey, all hands on deck at the end of the game to make sure you're finishing off a win or blocking a shot or doing what you need to do. But when he stays within his game in that regard, he's their best defenseman by far. Drew a, drew a penalty that ended up going in right away. Like Edmonton's power play cashed in on it. I think it was Mangiapane who hauled Nurse down and, and you know, working. Ooh. That's the kind of play that you're rewar- rewarded with when you've got that effort going, when, you're, when your feet are moving in that sense. Um, I want to get your thoughts, Louie, and I'm sure the listeners do as well, of course, on that. Uh, the Mackenzie Weger play, um, certainly not egregious, but it was enough, in my opinion, to warrant some kind of, I mean, I'm leaping up off the coach hollering and uh and i'm just wondering where where is the energy and the emotion and 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 has it been like an active i'm trying to figure out how to frame this question but it almost seems like because there's only two guys on edmonton willing to really kind of mix it up one of them's hurt and the other one's darnell nurse uh it seems like a lot of that stuff ends up left unaddressed and i'll let you maybe pick it up from here because maybe it isn't a big deal at this part of the season or maybe it is i wonder what you think well it seems to be a big deal because it's always a talking point so that's the red flag for me you know it seems like we talk about this all the time so and I've had this conversation with Bob, what, 100 times over the years? Easily. Like, <laughs> if you want to say that. So, yeah, it is a concern. I'm sorry, you have the best player in the game, the absolute best player in the world right now playing for your team. I think it's important to protect that player. Simple as that. It's important to protect that player and let opposition know that you can't mess around when he's on the ice. Now, he's had some tough injuries in his career, and the greatest asset that Connor McDavid has is that he's fearless. He gets right back up and will drive that puck to the post as hard as he did the time before when he got hurt. It's unbelievable, and it's, it's one of those things that people don't talk about enough. You have to be determined, hungry, and absolutely relentless in that pursuit, and he is, and that's why he's the best player in the game. But in saying that, he does things at such a fast pace that I think he puts players in a very uncomfortable position. And a lot of the times when plays like that happen, it's out of reaction because they have no other choice because they're getting burned. So because of that reaction, I'm not saying it's right. It's not right. When you, when you contact me on me, you've deliberately moved into that lane. I don't think it was egregious by Weger, but I do think he moved into him. There certainly was some knee on knee there. He's had a tough injury in that building before at that exact end. So, yeah, to make, to make a long story or a long answer longer, we've been talking about this for too long. I think it's about time they address it. How about that? I agreed, and I get the sense, even just based on what Bob was saying earlier, uh, to the same effect that it seems about time that even if it's a minor transaction, that some dynamic changes. They have too much of the same type of player in the bottom six. And when you look around the league, Louie, I don't really see that with a lot of other teams. (laughs) 
there's nothing wrong with having a little meat in the bottom six. No. And here's and here's the thing. Like and, and, and this is the most important thing too, Brian. I think it's really important to say this. The tougher team lost. The tougher team lost in the playoffs, too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, so the argument in that regard is, okay, is it really better to have that kind of a team? I will tell you this. I would love to have, if I was the GM or a coach, I want to have heavy, nasty, tough competitors on my team. But they have to be able to play. Simple as that. They have to be able to play at a fast pace. They have to not put your team behind by taking bad penalties. They have to be disciplined. They have to know their role. There are guys out there. There's one that just got traded to Minnesota. And they've done pretty well since he got traded there. So what I'm saying is they don't grow on trees. It's not that easy just to go out and find that perfect fit to bring into your team. But if they can address it, I would say address it. Have that deterrent in your lineup. It's going to play every night. It's going to make everybody around him bigger. Because I, I was a tough guy. I played on teams where I was the sole guy, and I played on teams where I had a lot of running mates in that department. I can tell you right now, I was way bigger and tougher when I had all those guys with me in the pack mentality than when you're by yourself. So the more guys you can have to play that similar brand of hockey – then you're just going to make everybody on your team a little bit bigger and, and more powerful. But, uh, but again, uh, that's the argument is that, you know what, the tougher team didn't necessarily win. But you're, you're getting liberties taken on your number one player and the best player in the game. And when it's on Connor, it's a different animal for me. I just feel like, okay, it's about, some, some, it's about time somebody addressed that. Like, I mean, I don't necessarily think somebody has to go and fight Uyghur for that. But I think somebody's got to go over there and give him a shot, give him a talk after the whistle and say, hey, you keep that damn leg in or next time I'm coming whether, whether you want me to, to or not. We're, we're going to go. Yeah. And just, just, a little, just a little bit of a deterrent to say, now, is Mackenzie Weegers a tough guy? Is he going to change the way he plays? Who knows? That's the argument. Does it deter it? I believe it does. I believe with Ryan Rees and the likes of Felino and Hartman now back in the lineup and the team that the Minnesota Wild put on the ice last year, a guy like Kaprizov, there were some liberties being taken on him early in the year. You watch. There won't be as many now. <laughs> Certainly not. Discussing this with Louis DeBrusque, Sportsnet color analyst for our friends at GCL Diesel. I, I see... I can see signs of Ken Holland understanding this in terms of drafting mm-hmm. the likes of Reed Schaefer, okay? But he's 100%. probably, he's you know, he won't be an instant impact guy. Of course, acquiring oh. Evander Kane is going to make the whole team bigger. It's horrendous what happened to him and how much time the team has had to tread water without a player who yeah. I'm imagining is an incredible emotional boost to that locker room. But even then, if you've got him playing top-line minutes, Louis, I just don't know that these two guys are enough. Or maybe by the time Kane gets back, you've fallen too far behind things. So this, I understand where you're saying we might see something move here sooner rather than later in terms of changing the dynamic again. I've talked to Kenny a little bit about it. You've heard him mention it. Uh, as far as some of his interviews, yes, it's something he wants to address. It's something that I think he wants to look for, make sure he's picking the right guy. If you look back at his years in Detroit, they didn't necessarily always have that designated hitter. Yes, they had Joey Kosher come back. They had Darren McCarty, who was on one of the best third lines in the game at that time. Third, fourth line, whatever you want to call it. Malpe, Draper, and, and McCarty were an amazing line that won Stanley Cups because of their ability to play the game and play that hard physical, fast, tenacious game. So I, I would say that if I had to guess, and I'm just guessing here, 
Now, Ken Holland wants to do it by committee. He doesn't necessarily want to have that designated guy. What I'm talking about is bringing in a guy that blends into your team, that plays the right way, but also has that dimension that when things get nasty, he has no problem taking care of business. That's what I'm talking There's only a few in the league. You know who they are. I don't have to name them. But those are the guys that I think are coveted. It's the reason why they're signed very early in free agency. And if you really want one of those guys, you have to go after them, make it a commitment to get one of them. It might be time to do that. One more question for you here, Louie. Have you been watching any of uh, the World Junior action? Did you see some of Canada's uh, destruction uh, yesterday? Connor Bedard is just something else. <laughs> I did, you know. I uh, It's pretty hard not to watch when you hear how he's ripping up the, the tournament again. And, you know, just at such a young age, he's an underage player. He hasn't even been drafted yet. And he's just going, he's, what is he, four away? Not, he's less than that from, uh, from Everly's record of 14, right? How many goals does he have now in his career? Anyway, he's right there. I think he's yeah. going to break it. I think he's going to break the single tournament uh, goal total um, that Jordan Everly holds. Um, but you know what? Um, it's amazing. I think that it was a, a little slap in the face, that first loss. I don't think they like losing to Czechia, and I think they came out and they put on a display against a weaker team in Germany. Like I, I didn't think Germany had a whole lot of a pushback early on, I mean, until they felt each other out. But then after that, it was all Canada and they overwhelm them, but that's how they should play. That's how Canada should play. They've got a lot of talent. They've got a lot of speed. They've got some size in that lineup. Go out there and use that to your advantage because that's the way you're going to win in this tournament. Absolutely. We'll see if they can get it done tonight against Austria. Louis, thanks so much for your time. Happy holidays, man. Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. Take care, buddy. All right. Louis DeBrusque from Sportsnet. He's their color analyst. He'll be on TV tomorrow night with Jack when the Oilers and Seattle Kraken dance in the Pacific Northwest. Remind you, some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Whether you're celebrating a special moment or simply savoring a night, Right on the town, every meal is an occasion at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Brendan Escott in today for Bob Stoffer. We'll get to some of your texts in a little bit more when we come back. Hope you're enjoying the holiday season. It is December 29th, almost at 2023. Uh, that's when you'll next hear from me after today. I'm just pinch hitting for Bob so he can get out to Seattle. Him and Cam on the call tomorrow night on 6.30. Chad, 8 o'clock puck drop. Oilers and Kraken from Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, maybe we'll hear from Everett Fitzhugh tomorrow. I always like hearing a Seattle perspective from the Fitz right now. Right now, I want to tell you that we're heading back to sunny California this April with New West Travel. Fly to L.A. and Anaheim to watch the Oilers play the Kings and Ducks. This New West Travel hockey package includes airfare, four nights at the Marriott L.A., lower bowl tickets for both games, and a welcome reception with Bob and special guests for the California hockey package. Call New West Travel or visit newwesttravel.com. 4.30 for Canada-Austria tonight. Let's go to the text line here. 780-496-0063. People weighing in on uh, the need for more insulation for this team. And when I say insulation, I mean guys that can bring that physical edge. A bigger body. A nastier person to line up across. Somebody hard to play against. Texter says, uh, Brendan, it's Mr. Sunshine. We need uh, guys with some bite. Look at the New York Islanders, Scott Mayfield, Matt Martin, and Flip Pugliarvi and a draft pick to get... 
Pajot. That's what that's supposed to be. And get uh, J- JP Pajot or salary retained. If not, let's look at uh, New Jersey's Nathan Bastian, Michael McLeod, and Miles Wood. Okay, so we've highlighted a couple of uh, Eastern teams here, has Mr. Sunshine, and said either look at New Jersey's options, uh, Miles Wood, My- Michael McLeod, who is Ryan's older brother, or Nathan Bastian. These are names we've heard before, suggested over the last couple of years. Miles Wood plays like a son of a gun with a fire under his behind. I really like that player. He's got shoulder injury history, similar to Josh Anderson. So, I don't know if I'm willing to bite the price tag on a guy like Miles Wood, but he definitely changes the dynamic. Mikey McLeod changes the dynamic in that he's a great face-off guy, but because he is, I don't know that New Jersey is too keen to let him go. And Nathan Bastian, Jersey brought back after sort of relinquishing him, I guess, in the uh, in the expansion draft to Seattle. They get him back off of waivers last year. I love what, what the guys in, in Long Island bring, but are, are you a player that can be out there for more than eight minutes? Because if you're talking about Matt Martin, the answer is no. And I'm not so sure they're willing to give up Jean Gabriel Pajot uh, that easy. I would see uh, if that's if they're targeting a third line center. To me, that guy's in Chicago and he's been wearing the C for a long, long time. All right. Lots still to come in hour number two. We're going to go Oil Kings for the first bit. Talk with Kevin Radomski about their New Year's Day game. Fireworks inside Rogers Place? What? Much more coming up in hour number two. Brendan Escott with you today on Oilers Now.